For our first message today, we have a split sermon from Mr. David Hope entitled, The Comforter. Mr. Hope. Because I broke the clip. But it put back on. It was, it was one of these clip-on clips. Yeah, Rick told me earlier that we'd we got a brand new microphone here and it might take a little bit to get the bugs out of it. As long as we don't have any cockroaches in it, that's okay. Then you have like those kind of bugs. Uh, anyway. You know, I didn't realize it until I came in a little earlier and, and uh, got one of our bulletins here and and uh, Steve Andrews speaking after me, the next message, uh, he and I, almost the same scriptures here. And uh, me once here several years ago, a few years ago, back at uh, Feast of Tabernacles, back in uh, uh, Hot Springs, Arkansas, and uh, uh, Wynn Skelton had message before me, and uh, we were staying with uh, Ian and Thelia Hufton, and she knew what I was speaking on, and knew, you know, I was kind of uptight, and and uh, Wynn got up first and gave his message. It was almost the same title, almost the same scripture and everything. And uh, Athelia came by. I was sitting on the back row and she said, David, are you okay? Are you going to be all right? <laughs> but, you know, the, neither one of them were the same. And uh, Steve and I, as you know, we have a lot of the same things. It's, it's that time of year, you know, so we're going to have some same things. And, and uh, you know, I had, uh, I guess we're okay with the sound system now, Rick? And as John Hagee would say, uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome the international and the national uh, TV and radio audience. We don't have a radio audience, but we do have an internet out here that some people are watching today. Hi, Ray. You guys are sometimes watching us on the internet. I'm glad to have you guys here, too. And people over from the Enid and western Oklahoma also that I didn't see. Anyway, I, one of my opening remarks is, but I need to probably calm it down a little you know, if, if we were telling people, if, if you've ever told people, says, well, I belong to the Tulsa Church of God, you know, do, do they look at you with a little bit of puzzlement or, or would they say, oh, yeah, well, I'm, I belong to Church of God too, you know, and, and uh, they, they think, and then you tell them, well, uh, we're fixing to keep the day of Pentecost, and boy, they really look at you, and, and they'll say, what well, do you speak in tongues too, you know, all that, but... <laughs> Uh, you know, but a lot of people, and I don't mean to be disrespectful, but, you know, a lot of people really don't understand what uh, Pentecost means, and, and, and uh, uh, they, they think basically it, it was uh, happened on, you know, in Acts 2, and that's what most people get it, and, uh, and, and they look in the Old Testament and try to find the word Pentecost. They don't find it, you know, Pentecost's not in there. But as most of you know, and I'm talking basically for the most part to... Uh, I don't mean to say educated audience, but educated in what I'm saying today and, and, and the purpose. If I were speaking to a, a group that really was uh, totally unfamiliar with our customs and, and the holy days that we keep, I'd have a different 
you know, scriptures, different way of saying and everything else. So if anybody on the TV or computer or anything else has a question, and I'm not making it very clear, or if Steve Andrews sees that, you know, David, you really should have made that a little more plain. You know, Steve will clear it up, and that's a good thing to have, uh, you know, somebody like that. Lawrence straightened me out one time. Well, he didn't straighten me out, but he said one time. And, <laughs> um, but anyway, in, in Bible study, I was kind of ranting a little bit about the uh, message I gave here a while back about, you know, uh, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you know, and the, the, the scriptures about uh, Jesus being resurrected on Sunday and disproving all of that and everything. And, and uh, Lawrence kind of said, well, what's your point? <laughs> You know, so I wasn't really making it plain that, uh, but anyway, but, but listening to some of my messages in the past, and, and thankfully you don't have to listen to me all the time because we have 10 of us speakers here. You know, you'll hear two of us today, but, um, you know, only one out of 10, well, long time down the line. But um, anyway, if you've heard that, you, you probably get the idea that I'm disrespectful to, to Sunday, and I don't really mean to be that. And uh, I don't mean to think, say Sunday is not important. First day of the week is not important. It is twice a year. Very important. And uh, I'll go back. Well, it's, if you're living, you know, if you have terminal cancer, every Sunday you live is important. So don't get me wrong. But if you go back to uh, Leviticus 23, and like I said, I'm going to have to hit some highlights today and, and go fairly fast. But we'll go back where one of the places where the annual holy days are mentioned. I'm going to not go too much into uh, uh, the Passover and Days of Unleavened Bread, which we've already had. But it's in uh, Leviticus 23. And uh, those of you that have already kept the, uh, the Passover and Days of Unleavened Bread, you know where we are now. And I'm going to just remind us. And so I'm going to pick up in about verse 5. Like I said, if you have any problems, uh, well, maybe I'm not. Uh, hang on just a second. Now I'm going to start in verse 10. Verse 9. Leviticus 23, verse 9. And, and the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say to them, When you come to the land which I give you, and shall reap the harvest thereof, then you shall bring a sheath of the first fruits of your harvest unto the priest. And he shall wave it, wave the sheath before the Lord to be accepted for you on the morrow after the Sabbath. And to the, on the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. And um, like I said, I'm, I'm uh, covering a lot of territory. I'm not going into the offerings and sacrifices and everything they did back in those days. We know that uh, since Christ's uh, resurrection and death, we don't do that. But we'll start in verse 5. And you shall count unto you on the morrow after the Sabbath from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be complete. So here again, and I know some of you, even some of you visitors have heard this, uh, heard me uh, say this and had heard other people say it too. And I'm not going to go the long version of it today. So... But uh, I wanted to let you realize that there is a beginning counting place for the... Uh, let me just read a little more first and then before I digress. 
And you shall count on the morrow from, no, count to you from the morrow after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf into the wave, seven Sabbaths shall be complete. Even unto the morrow after the seventh Sabbath shall you number fifty days, and you shall have a new meat offering and all that. And that's where we are now. We're on, as the song leader Reggie mentioned a while ago, uh, we're in the 49th day right now. We began to count these days on the morrow after the Sabbath during the days of unleavened bread, if you remember that. We had uh, the Passover, and then on that Sabbath, the weekly Sabbath, on the morrow after that day, we started counting our 50 days, counting down. Uh, you know, over the last few weeks, some of our song leaders, especially uh, uh, Matthew Steele, even brought a calendar up and, you know, and had a countdown of the days that we have left till the uh, 50th day. So most of you know what I'm talking about. Uh, and we understand that uh, in the New Testament, I mean, in the, the uh, Passover, that Jesus represented, you know, back then, he was looking forward to Jesus being our Passover. John the Baptist said, you know, lo, the Lord, the, 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 the Lamb of God it takes away our sins. And we realize also that the wave sheaf offering, and I'm, like I said, I'm, cutting, I'm going real quickly over some of this today because I don't have time. There's so many scriptures to get into this. But like I said, if you have a, have a question, uh, you know, uh, feel free to ask us. But And uh, Jesus also uh, represented the wave sheaf offering. I'm not going to take the time now because we did that quite a bit during the uh, Days of Unleavened Bread, the, the custom of them taking the sheath and waving it on Sunday, you know, before God. And, uh, and we know now, and also after reading the, uh, uh, the gospel accounts of the, uh, the torture and the resurrection, uh, uh, crucifixion of Jesus and resurrection, and uh, Jesus was already out of the grave on, on the Sunday morning, no matter when it was before dark or as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, we realized and understand that Jesus was already gone. And we realized that, um, and, and I'll probably even read a scripture so it uh, uh, says that, um, um, we'll start reading, and uh, if you go with me to John, I forgot to give the scriptures to our men back here in the, sound booth and the projection booth I forgot to give them the message of the uh, uh, scriptures so but they're pretty good they could come to John 14 John 14 John 14 and verse 15 and 16. Jesus said, if you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. So Jesus said that he will send a comforter that will abide for us with us forever. Uh, turn over just uh, wherever it is in your Bible, another page or so to, uh, well, let's just read uh, 26th chapter, uh, excuse me. 26th verse, right, while we're still here on the page. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he or it shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I said unto you. 
So the spirit is, uh, is multifaceted. There's a lot of things. Uh, now turn over to John 16, verse 7. John 16, verse 7. Yeah, they did catch up with it. Good, good boys. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send it to you. I'm going to... Uh, so anyway, Jesus has to go away, and we know that. Uh, go over to John, oh, I'm sorry, Luke 24 chapter. Luke 24, verse 36. Luke 24, verse 36. And as they thus spoke, this, you know, the, the apostles and disciples were in uh, meeting by themselves. And as they thus spoke, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are you troubled, and why do, you, do your thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold, my hands and my feet, that it is myself. Handle me, and see, for a spirit has not flesh and bones as you see me. So he was basically uh, telling them to go ahead and touch me, find out it's really me. And I put that scripture, I guess, out of sequence there. Uh, Luke 24, uh, go down, I've already got down here. Um, Luke 24, verse 49. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry you in the city until of Jerusalem until you be endued with power. So this has already been 40 days afterward. Jesus had already been here, so it was only about 10 days until uh, the day of Pentecost. I got my scripture a little bit out of, con out of sequence there for a little bit. There was one that, uh, and, and you know, hearing the, the scriptures read the last few weeks and over the months, that you realize that there was a particular time on Sunday, the first day of the week, as I said, that Jesus said, touch me not. You know, I have not yet ascended to my Father. So that was still on, on Sunday sometime, you know, probably Sunday morning when this happened, you know, when uh, different accounts of uh, people seeing Jesus, uh, you know, went to the tomb and Jesus was already gone. It wasn't even there. And anyway, uh, there's a particular time in there, he said, don't, don't touch me, I haven't ascended to my Father. And then here he's saying later on that he has ascended to the Father. So uh, understanding the wave sheaf offering and, and being waved before God, you know, he did on that day was appeared before God and he was back before them uh, totally as a spirit being. Anyway, but uh, they said, wait until you be endured with, endued with power. And we understand what, what went on in uh, Acts, the second chapter. I don't have it here, but I probably ought to run over there just real quick and read a little bit of that. Uh, 
Acts, the second chapter, verse 1. And just before that, they, they said, well, you know, why are you standing here looking up? You know, the same Jesus that's going up into the heavens, he's going to come back down in the same way. And, uh, and here in Acts 2 and verse uh, 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, and they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there was a mighty rushing wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And they were dwelling... And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. So it wasn't just the local yokels around. It wasn't just the local Jews. Now when, when this was noised, excuse me, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. So on this first day of Pentecost, or this, yeah, this first Pentecost that they had, the 50th day, and that's what Pentecost means, 50th, uh, they were speaking in a language not unintelligible, not where something that no one could understand. They were speaking in a language that people understood. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Behold, are not these which speak Galileans? You know, the, the apostles, aren't these Galileans? And we might say, well, aren't these Okies? You know, they don't sound like, you know, people from California, you know. And, and I love the Hispanic accent, you know, the Mexicans. I love that, you know. I love the way they, when they speak English, you know. Julian Cruz, you know. I just sit and listen to people like that all day long. So you, you could tell, you know, they could tell then just as well as we can tell now if you're from Oklahoma or or New Mexico or California, New York. And the people from New York, you know, when they go and get in a car, you know, I had a little brother lived up there for a long time. And he, he said, I don't even own a car no more, you know. But anyway, so... But they, 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 these were all Galileans. They, they, you know, they, they speak a certain way. And now, here we every, every man in our own tongue, wherein we were born. Uh, Parthenians and Medes and Amalitans and dwellers in Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia, Pontius, and Asia, Phygera, and Pama, whatever it is, I don't speak Greek, <laughs> and in Egypt, and all parts of Libya about Cyrene, and strangers of Rome, Jews and Polyat, Cretes and Arabians, do we hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God? And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying, and you know the rest of the story. And, and uh, Peter told them, you know, well, you know, they accused them of being drunk. And he said, oh, they're not drunk, you know. And, uh, uh, but anyway, just to show you that the Holy Spirit came down and, and was very evident at them. And it wasn't what so many people will think that the uh, day of Pentecost is or uh, what people should be doing in, in church. Um, Catch up here a little bit. Roman, uh, we'll go into a little more uh, benefits of the Holy Spirit. 
Romans 8. Like I said, I'm not going to take a lot of time in any one particular area. Uh, there's so many, many, many areas. Uh, in fact, the scripture that I had down that Steve has down, I'd like to just make a whole mess. Of, well, I guess Steve's going to do that today. I'm, good, I'm glad of that. I thought, boy, you know, if I hadn't done so much preparing on this particular part of it, I'd like to just spend more time here. So I, I hope Steve will uh, do my Bible study for me. <laughs> anyway, I'm looking forward to hearing uh, his part in, what is it, John 14? Uh, where was, oh, okay. Romans 8 and uh, verse 11. Just hitting some highlights again. Paul speaking. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. And we realize that we, in, in studying, and in, in like I said, this is, kind of a in-depth on the uh, subject too, that we realize that we must be baptized. And, and if I'd have read a little more back in Acts, you know, the, the men were just really pricked in their heart and said, hey, what should we do? You know, boy, this is really pricking our hearts. And he said, repent and be you baptized for the remission of sins. And uh, that anyway, if the spirit was in us, and if we look over in 1 Corinthians 15, you know, talking about the resurrection, and uh, that if that spirit's in us, we're also going to be resurrected too, or, or at least uh, uh, in other scriptures that uh, the people that are alive, when it says here, quicken, you know, we're going to be changed. Uh, the dead people are going to be resurrected, but uh, alive people are going to be changed. And, uh, uh, and like I said, I didn't put down the other scriptures, but we realize that uh, the people that are dead in Christ, and, you know, Steve and I and a lot of the older people here, Lawrence, the people have been around church for a number of years, uh, we know people that have died in the faith. A lot of us know people that have died in the faith. Uh, you know, I don't remember, uh, what's his name, Delmar, Delmer? Anyway, Jack Fair, you know, some of these guys that, uh, Christians that we really loved a great deal, have died many years ago. Well, these people are going to come up before we do, you know, just right then, and then we're going to be resurrected with them together. I'm not going into the scripture, but, you know, they're going to be resurrected, and we're going to meet with them uh, with Christ. So I'm not going into all the scriptures on it. But uh, Romans 8, uh, we're already there. We'll go down to verse 26 and 27. Here's another tremendous benefit. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities for we know not what we should pray as we ought but the spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered sometimes we just don't really know how to pray on a situation sometimes you know there, there's so many scenarios going on uh, you know we could even uh, i know people that are so depressed and have so many problems going on they, they don't even know where to start but the Holy Spirit will help. And he searches the hearts. Oh, and he that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession f for the saints according to his will. So even if, even if uh, we don't really quite know how, exactly how to do it, say, well, God, please, please help uh, this person over here. We, we don't necessarily know, well, maybe they need a punishment or maybe they need more trial or maybe they need to get out of it already. We don't know. We don't even know what we need ourselves sometimes. 
but the Holy Spirit knows. Romans 12, 15. Romans 12, 15. And one thing, rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another, toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low, men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceit. But the point I wanted to make out here is when, when we have joy, when one of you have joys in your life, or if I have a good thing that happened in my life, you know, you're, you're joyful. I'm joyful. When some of you have bad things happen in your life, you know, you're not, you're not the only one that has that. Of course, it affects you more than it does anyone else uh, with your problem, but, you know, we, we hurt with you too. You know, I remember uh, a lot of times down through the years, some of our uh, brethren in here have, have lost close members. I mean, close uh, relatives, you know. Uh, I don't see Jeanette back here today, but uh, Tom's back here, her son, you know. And, and uh, here, uh, Jeanette lost a husband. She lost a son. You know, I don't know what it's like to lose a husband. Well, I mean, <laughs> she didn't, I mean, but, but, but I, I can imagine, no. Uh, but I know what it's like. <laughs> I know what it's like to uh, lose a son, you know, and a number of you people back here know what it's like to lose a son. You know, Larry back here, uh, uh, um, uh, what's her name over here? No, <laughs> my daughter's mother-in-law, Lucille. <laughs> just, just kidding, you know, she knows what it's like. Lawrence knows what it's like. You know, many of you in here that I had even mentioned know what it's like to lose, you know, a child. And... Uh, I was talking to a person last week and asked him, well, how's, how's your mother doing? And, and they told me, well, not really well, not really well. You know, not good at all. They lost a child, you know, not long ago. And, uh, you know, uh, I wanted to show the person I was interested, but, you know, I looked more like, I felt more like a fool than anything that, uh, uh, you know, it didn't, didn't remind me of, problems I had particularly but over the years and I think when when people do have catastrophes in their life that sometimes it's kind of like putting meat tenderizer on an old tough steak you know I don't know if whether it be the powdered kind but I think it's a kind you know you put on the chopping board up here and and you take this old hammer and you beat on it and pound on it and you you tenderize that old round steak and make it taste like a uh, Kansas City Strip or New York Strip, you know, it's very tender after that. Well, sometimes God does that to, to us, and I'm not saying it's because you had a problem or you're having a problem that that's, that's what's happening to you, but it happens sometimes that uh, sometimes the Spirit works with us to make us more sympathetic. If we're going to be in God's church, you know, we've been called, Jesus, you know, the Scripture says, by this shall all men know that you're my, my people, my disciples. I think Ray and him have a song about that, I think. Uh, you know, that you love one another. And uh, the choir does. It's not Ray's song. but Anyway, but, you know, we do love each other, and we do cry with each other at times. You know, we have done that, and that's, that's not wrong. It's not, not bad. And it's going to lead me down to 
pretty close to my uh, conclusion scripture here. And like I said, I'm going awfully fast and very kind of shallow over some of the things. But I'm, uh, there's a little misunderstood scripture, and I'm going to turn to John, the 11th chapter, and I don't think uh, this is one. I don't, I don't have my bulletin up here, and I didn't even have my scripture down, but I don't think it's quite the same one that Steve had down. But uh, John, the 11th chapter, But when I mention these things, it's not, you know, put people on a pity party or make you think, well, you know, well, poor so-and-so. It's just a fact to illustrate the point that we all have, uh, have our cross to bear. We all have problems, we, and we, we work together, we pull together, we pray together to, to help each other. That's what we're all about, you know, as the scripture said, can, uh, two is better than one. Well, a whole house full of church people is a better than, uh, better than two as far as I'm concerned. I, you know, I can fellowship with my wife, but uh, I, I really like fellowshipping with, you know, 30, 40, 50 people or so. Uh, okay, back over to John 11, uh, verse 17. Then when Jesus came and found that he... Uh, oh, I'm breaking into a sentence here. I mean, a, a thought here. Lazarus was already dead. You know that. Lazarus, when, and I'm breaking into a point here. Uh, then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days, talking about uh, Lazarus. Now Bethany was near unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort her, like we do at times. Then concerning... Uh, comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother had not died. You know, you could have stopped that. But I know that even now, whatsoever you will ask, God will give it you. You know, she was hoping that, that he would still go ahead and do this and raise him. Verse 23, Jesus said unto her, Your brother shall rise again. Verse 24, Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Believe you this? She said, in verse 27, she said unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, which should come into the world. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly saying, The Master has come and calls for you. As soon as she heard that, she rose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet coming to the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews then, which were with her in the house, and comforted her, you know, they, they were there, they weren't paid mourners or anything, they were close friends, comforted her, and when they saw Mary, that she rose and hastily, rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goes into the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down and or fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if you had just been here, my brother had not died. 
When Jesus therefore weep, uh, saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping, so they were weeping too, they were just, like I said, just uh, bystanders, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. I think there's a lot of misunderstanding with this, this scripture in here. Uh, and I'll come back to it in just a second. I do have to quit here in a minute. He was he groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus therefore again, groaning in himself, comes to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. And I'm just going to paraphrase now because I've got to quit here in just a second. And we know the story that he resurrected him. He hollered at him and come out, you know, and then he'd come out all like a mummy and couldn't move. Said, loosen him, you know, let him go. Take the stuff off and, you know, let him move a little bit. They had him all bound. But uh, anyway, uh, I've, I've heard uh, messages years ago where we're saying that well, Jesus was really angry at them for some reason. He couldn't. He just didn't understand why he would, why they would uh, be crying like that. You know, said he groaned. He was angry with them. Well, that word, if you look it up, it can have several meanings to it. But he was just as uh, uh, upset on the opposite way as he was with that way. Jesus had compassion, and and he groaned twice it wasn't the fact that oh you stupid people you know he was groaning he you know we've done that ourselves too and and have not really just boohooed out but we've groaned within ourselves and he did weep you know tears came down as, and and uh, but anyway uh, it shows to me that how compassionate Jesus was and that we are and uh, normally and I've made comment at times how I disagree with a lot of the the commentaries and things, you know, as if I'm something great myself, you know. I'm not a scholar, but, you know, I do take issue with a lot of them sometimes because they, they, they are so perverted in their attitudes on, you know, the Sabbath and the Holy Days and all that. But I, I really uh, found an article, uh, I'm taking this from uh, Barnes Notes, and I'll, and I'll quit on this. Uh, Barnes Notes is one of the commentaries on my computer, and... Uh, I thought it, it, it summed it up pretty well the way I kind of feel, and I'll read it to you. Uh, John 11, verse 35, uh, where it says, Jesus wept, and here I'm quoting now. It has been remarked that this is the shortest verse in the Bible, but it is extremely important and tender. It shows the Lord Jesus as a friend, a tender friend, and invents his character as a man. And from this we learn, number one, that the most tender personal friendship is not inconsistent with the most pure religion. Piety binds stronger the ties of friendship, makes more tender the emotions of love, and seals and sacrifices the affections of friends. Two, it is right, it is natural, it is indispensable for Christians to sympathize with others in their afflictions. Romans 12, verse 15, they quote, Rejoice with them, as I read a while ago, Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that do weep. Three, 
Sorrow at the death of friends is not improper. It is right to weep. It is the expression of nature and religion does not forbid or condone it or condemn it. All that religion does in the case is to temper and chasten our grief, to teach us to mourn with submission to God, to weep without complaining, and to seek to banish tears, not by the hardening of the heart or forgetting the friend, but by being the soul, oh, let me see, but by bringing the soul made tender by grief to receive the sweet influences of religion and to find calmness and peace in the God of consolation. And finally, four, we have here an instance of tenderness of the character of Jesus. And hopefully this is a character that, that we're developing. The same Savior wept over Jerusalem and felt deeply for the poor dying sinners, poor dying sinners, to the same tender and compassionate Savior, Christians may now come. You know, we can come to Jesus the same way. And to him, the penitent sinner may also come, that he will not cast him away. So on this day of Pentecost coming up, one of the benefits is that Jesus has sent the Comforter. We have been baptized and received the Holy Spirit, and we have access to this this. Uh, comforter and there's like I said there's so many more scriptures to going on but anyway uh, uh, let's be God uh, the com that sent the comforter